Hello and welcome to the Atari Zoo podcast. My name is Mark Wiltshire and each episode I will be taking you behind the scenes at Atari Zoo and Snow Panda Resort in Finland. You can find out more at atarizoo.fi. These episodes were recorded on location at Atari Zoo, so you will hear a variety of background noises as we visit different animals around the zoo and talk to members of the team at Atari Zoo and Snow Panda Resort. So let's head over to my conversation with this week's guest. Today I'm joined by Haini Ninimaki. Haini, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, nice to meet you. Haini is the zoological director here at Atari Zoo, which means obviously you're a fully qualified veterinarian. Uh, yeah, well, zoological directors can be something else than veterinarians also, but I'm doing both jobs right now. And it's the veterinarian side of things here that we're going to talk about today. Let's start by asking you what's What's special, what's different about the range of animals that you have here at Ahtari? Well, uh, I think uh, in Ahtari Zoo, one of the most special things here is that we are very uh, natural-like zoo. We have a very large area uh, which is filled with forest and the animals here actually live inside the forest. Uh, They have quite a big enclosures and uh, we have an opportunity to give them uh, a life which is pretty much close to the life they would have in the wild. Of course, not exactly the same, but I think quite close. You have this range of Scandinavian. Yeah. Is it a range? Is it a collection, maybe? <laughs> collection, range, both is okay. Uh, so we are specialised in uh, animals that live in Scandinavian area. And uh, we also have animals from Asia but from those areas which are pretty much same with their climate as Finland. Ah, that's interesting, because we're sitting here today in this new panda house at Atari Zoo, and I can't quite see one at the moment, but there was (laughs) one of the pandas, I think it was Puro, was just wandering around in my eyesight uh, a few minutes ago. Um, And I wondered about this when I heard that pandas were coming from China to Finland, um, how would they cope with the with the climate? But you say that that's, that's not such an issue. Yeah, actually that's not an issue at all uh, because many people were wondering the same thing and uh, I think people uh, thought that in China the pandas live in a hot environment like in a rainforest or something and that's actually not true. Uh, pandas live in a Sichuan area and they live in the mountains. So they can live quite high up in the mountains and they really have the cold winter and snow there so this is actually pretty close to their, their natural habitat because these pandas have been branded as snow pandas yes. by Atari Zoo which, yes. is, which is nice but what you're saying is that all pandas are snow pandas actually yes, okay. actually all pandas are snow pandas but uh, the pandas that are living in zoos in different parts of the world uh, they often live in an environment which is actually a little bit too warm for them so here in Finland, the biggest problem was not the winter. The biggest problem was that last summer was maybe the hottest summer I have ever seen. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. yeah, and that was too hot. For We're the recording this at the end of 2018, and summer of 2018 in Finland was, uh, was unbelievable. Yeah, that was extreme. We have never seen anything like that. And in a later episode, we're going to speak to the panda keeper. So... We don't need to go into into too much details about the daily the daily activities of the pandas, um, but it's it's interesting to see that they have this very rocky um, 
environment to 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 live in here within the within the um, enclosure yeah. here that we're in inside the panda house, and then also outside, it's quite uh, slopy, mountainous looking. Yeah environment yeah that's actually the point because they they live in the mountains so they are used to like slope sloped areas and uh, rocky mountain hills and so on so we try to mimic the natural habitat of the pandas as closely as we can so that's why both in indoors enclosure and the outdoors enclosure look a little bit like a mountain hill and they're they're happy being outside in in the Finnish winter. Yeah, yeah, they're very happy. Actually, I think that right now the female is pretty much waiting for the snow. Okay. Usually at this time of the year we already have the snow, but right now this is a little bit exceptional year and they haven't had an opportunity to roll in the snow yet. I think we're all waiting for yeah. the snow, especially yeah, those yes, that like to go skiing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, where did your involvement come in bringing the pandas to to Athens? Uh, well, uh, actually, I started working in Ahtari Zoo like one month before the pandas came. Okay. So the first thing I did when I started working here was to organize the transportation and all the paperwork for them. And then, of course, we traveled to China with our panda keeper, Anna. And uh, we spent two weeks there getting to know these animals and then traveled with them here. So the transportation process was uh, the biggest and the first job I had when I started working in the zoo. Okay, in- interesting. But now they're not your only babies. You've no. got many furry friends to look after. Yes, look yes. After so um, I take care of all the animals here. May- maybe tell a little bit about some of the other animals that are, that yeah. are here, some of the more unusual ones or more challenging ones, whatever whatever yeah. you comes to mind. Yeah, well, uh, I think... Those are not so unusual, but one of the favorite animals for all the visitors here are actually the brown bears. Okay. We have uh, five brown bears, and uh, they are very playful and active. And uh, actually, brown bear is a very uh, important animal in uh, Finnish history. So there are a lot of myths and stories and so on about the brown bears, and that's why many people especially come to see them. But uh, one Finnish animal which is very important for us is a Finnish uh, forest reindeer. Uh, looks quite much like the regular reindeer you can see in Lapland, but actually it's not the same. Okay, how, how, is it, how is it different? Uh, well, it's genetically different, of course, and it has a little bit longer legs and a little bit uh, different shape of the horns and uh, so on. And. Uh, uh, the, the reindeers in Lapland, they live usually in uh, open areas okay. at, at the, um, the small mountains. And uh, Finnish forest reindeers, as the name tells you, they live in the forest and a little bit uh, in southern areas of Finland. And uh, actually, those were once uh, extinct from Finnish nature. But now some of uh, the animals has came back from Russia. And we also have this project where we uh, introduce them back to the nature. And uh, this is one of the most important species conservation projects where we are involved. And that's why this species is very special for us. Yeah, okay. So, so there, at one stage there were none in Finland, there were some in Russia. You brought them back. Uh, well, actually, they came they by came themselves. They came back themselves, okay. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't, they didn't come to all the areas they used to be. So that's what we are trying to do, to increase the amount of those animals in those areas where they used to live. 
long time ago mm. and try to make it more like it should be. What kind of numbers are there now of these of these animals? No, I have to say that I don't remember exactly, but I can check it for you. Yeah, that's no, okay. That, that, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, but the number number is a lot better than it used to be. Yes, like twenty years ago. Yes, okay, okay, and maybe you've you've started to answer a question that's that's in my mind, um, which is about the role of zoos mm-hmm. in modern in modern eras. You know, when when zoos first started, hundred and fifty years ago maybe yeah. Victorian times from, yeah. from British history <laughs> um, they were places where you had these exotic animals and people came and stared at the animals yeah. and and that that kind of that kind of zoo seems to have it seems to have a negative image nowadays mm. yeah what is the role of a, a zoo in, yeah. in modern days yeah exactly I think that the role of the zoos has been uh, evolving a lot and I think it's a good thing and we should keep evolving more because uh, nowadays I think that the most important role of the zoos is to promote uh, species conservation, uh, make things that uh, keep the biodiversity as high as possible and so on. So uh, zoos can actually do it by many different ways. Uh, One important thing how zoos can help species conservation is that uh, we keep like uh, an insurance population of animals. So animals that are uh, extinct or near extinct or in threatened in the nature, uh, the zoos in different parts of the world, we together keep a population of the animals uh, which can be used to help those uh, animals living in the nature. So uh, this is how we can try to avoid a situation where the whole species would disappear and uh, we can also be involved in those uh, projects where we introduce animals to nature and uh, one important thing is that zoos have an opportunity to do research with different species and those results can actually help the protection of those species in the nature. Can, can you give an example of, of that? Of research, yeah. Mm. For example, uh, many of the research that is used to protect pandas are actually made with the animals inside the zoos. So that is why we have learned a lot about their uh, breeding and uh, things that might uh, change their behavior in the nature and so on. And those things can be used when uh, people plan how to protect uh, animals in their natural environments. And uh, there are many like genetic researches where we uh, try to find out that how diverse some species are uh, because of course it's not enough to have many animals we have, of course want to have also genetically diverse animals so that the species is able to survive from the changes so that is one thing that the zoos can also do actually there are so many of those that we could spend a whole day <laughs> talking about that but uh, those are a couple of examples. Yeah, I think pandas being in captivity, being bred in captivity, mm. it's it's maybe one of the more high-profile instances of that. And whenever a panda is born yeah. in a zoo around the world, it seems to make the news headlines around the world yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, and uh, especially 
like 10, 20 years ago, uh, breeding pandas in the zoos was very difficult and the success was not that good. But uh, during these years and uh, with the research, we have learned so much about their behavior and uh, what kind of things they want and need in a zoo and in the nature that actually the results are now a lot better. So there are more being bred? Yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, uh, also previously it was like uh, they all, always had to use artificial insemination to have a baby or nearly always. But now that we know better how to take care of them, uh, it's getting less and less important the artificial insemination and we are able to breed them more naturally usually and that's uh, our goal also we hope that these animals will breed naturally without our interference you're learning how to get the pandas in the mood for yeah. love <laughs> yeah. okay that's yeah. a good that's that, a good that's thing. very important mm, yeah, it is yeah. it is important yeah i did i did uh, say to a colleague of mine this week that you know if they want to help pandas breed surely moving them to a cold country like finland isn't the best way to do no, it that is exactly one good way to do it because they want to have the spring they want to have the increase of the light and increase in the temperature that's one of those things that set them into the right mood well that's that's really interesting because my colleague is from switzerland and she said <laughs> hey in switzerland after we have a, a very cold winter the next autumn there are always lots of babies born so maybe it's a similar yeah, similar thing might be, might be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, actually when you were talking about the um, zoos in history when, when the main point was that people went there to just look at special animals so still it is kind of important thing also but the point is totally different than it used to be because one of the most important things the zoos have to do is to educate people tell them about uh, species conservation and how to protect environment and uh, how to save species and what is the situation today and that is actually even more important I think than uh, many of those issues we maybe talk about more that's really interesting. So, yeah. in a way, you're you're inspiring future generations. We try to, yeah. yeah. That's that's very important part here, and um, that is something that pandas are very good doing with because they really help us making the point and give us more opportunities to talk about the issues that are very relevant right now. But not just relevant to the pandas, but relevant no. to the other the other animals you've got here, like the like the forest reindeer. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's and all the animals actually, and the whole nature. So panda is kind of a example species also. Uh, as you know, panda is also in the logo of VVF. Uh, the uh, World Wildlife Fund. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So panda has kind of been uh, the ambassador of uh, species conservation for decades already and still we can use panda as an example and tell people more about the situation in the world where actually many many species are in the risk of getting extinct. I was walking around the panda house here mm -hmm. before we before we met and we went downstairs and saw the I don't know if it's if it's where you you have an office space or if it's specifically just for the for the pandas down there but there was some kind of there was incubator for the babies yeah. and and like a like a small hospital yeah. room down there yeah uh, i have my own uh, small panda hospital here okay. yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it yeah, yeah. and uh, we actually we do have a baby incubator there and that is why because um, 
uh, as you maybe know, the baby pandas are very, very small and immature when they are born. Uh, they actually weigh something like 100 grams or 150 really? grams. Really? So small? Yeah. Okay. And they have no fur and their eyes are closed, so they are very, very helpless. And uh, usually pandas, they have one baby at a time, but in, especially in zoos, it is possible that panda has twins. And uh, actually it happens quite often. And uh, if the panda has twins, uh, the female is not able to take care of both of them because it's so demanding. The baby needs so much help and okay. milk and so on. And panda doesn't get too much energy from the bamboo. So uh, usually if, uh, if in the nature twins are born, other one of them dies. But here we try to save both which again will help with the increasing in population you you would hope yeah yeah we hope so but it's very important that when we are trying to save bo both of them uh, they both need also to stay with their mother okay so, so how do you do that so we try to take uh, one of the babies and put it into the baby incubator and take care of it there but then we switch places so once in a while, we take the other baby away from the mother and we give the first one to mom. Really? Um, How often do you switch? It depends. Usually in the beginning, you try to do it as often as possible, many times per day okay. even, uh, because we want to make sure that they get the colostrum milk mm. and uh, they get enough care in the beginning. And uh, then when they get older, you can make the time between the changes a little bit longer. But after the baby starts moving a little bit and uh, they are not that helpless anymore, usually around three months or something, then we can put both of them to mother and then she's able to take care of them. <laughs> Must be quite a surprise for mother who's been looking after <laughs> one baby in her mind for three yeah. months and suddenly there's two. Yeah, actually, uh, well, I haven't seen this myself, but I have heard that usually they just don't mind. Like, yeah. Okay, well, now I have two. Yeah. That's fine. I can look after two. <laughs> yeah. Three months. Yeah. Three month Interesting, because I, I, you always think that human babies are some of the most immature, helpless yeah. babies, but, but pandas clearly even yeah. more so. Yeah, even more. Even <clears throat> more, I would say. What about the other animals around the, the zoo? Mm. How many new ones arrive each, each year, or, or well, how often do new ones arrive? Um, I think this year we had something like 30 or 40 really? new babies, but it also depends because uh, some of the animals, they have a baby or two every year and uh, some of them we keep so that they don't breed at all because we, we don't always have a space for them or so on, so we don't want to breed them for nothing. For example, bears. Uh, we are not breeding them right now. We have a female, but uh, she's using contraception. Okay, yeah. <laughs> good family, yeah. family planning. It's yeah, good, yeah. good to hear, even yeah. for the bears. Yeah, so, so that's why uh, there might be a big differences between the years. Remember. Um, and if, if you have an animal that has, has babies that mm. you don't have space for, do you, are they then kind of, you find other homes yes, for them? Yes, yes. And actually, uh, often we also plan from the beginning that uh, the animal is allowed to have babies here, but we have already decided that when the babies are old enough, they should travel to another zoo. That is uh, important because if we would keep all the animals here and just keep breeding them, uh, 
they wouldn't be very genetically yeah, okay that's... after a couple of months. So that's uh, that's why we change animals between the zoos all the time yeah. to keep the uh, populations healthy. Yeah, that that makes sense. It's interesting. Mm. Must be exciting though having all these babies yeah. arrive. Yeah. Every year. <laughs> That is fun, uh, especially in the springtime, because most of our animals are breeding in the springtime. So then we might have a days when we have a new baby every day there. Fantastic. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, to me before that as well as the Scandinavian animals, you also have this Asia yeah. area about bringing animals from, from a similar kind of um, climate yeah. as, as Finland. Yeah. Um, what, what other animals do you have here? Is that is that where the, the you call them pikku panda? I call yes. them red panda. Is that that is that what, where they? Yeah, yeah. Red panda is one of those animals we have from from Asia, and uh, we also have uh, snow leopards, and uh, then we have takins. Did what? you see takin? I don't know what uh, is a takin. It's a kind of a big goat. Okay. Yeah, very nice animal. You should go and see them. I will. I will take it to. I haven't done yeah. the full the full route around the around the park yet. Yeah, the zoo yet. Uh, th- they are in the Asian area, very close to the snow leopards. Are those uh, takins? Okay. And uh, actually, these uh, animals from Asia are one of those we are trying to get more and more because uh, there are ve- very many similarities in the environment from where these animals are from. For example, now uh, I just got a couple of golden pheasants. And uh, they are in a quarantine now, so you cannot see them yet, yeah. but soon they will be there. And they are actually from the same area with the pandas. Okay. So we try to uh, increase uh, that area so that we can show how different kind of animals there are uh, in environment, which is uh, pretty much the same with the climate. Yeah, it's interesting because I, yeah. I live in Seinejoki and yeah. we have local pheasants they go yeah. walking through yeah. the garden the they make a, yeah, yeah and make a lot of noise and <laughs> for me it's one of the i think it's kind of one of the the local wildlife that you see yeah. pheasants red squirrels yeah um, you know that it's, it's it's nice to see them so close to the to the houses so to bring a slightly different breed over yeah and we have the common pheasants also and they are in uh, enclosures very close to each other so you can go there and compare yeah how okay. they look like all part of that education yeah, yeah well. especially I, I i love the the look of the red panda yeah um uh, if, if the listener doesn't know what a red panda is um is it somehow related to raccoon or something yeah more closely to raccoon than the panda yeah yeah, yeah small uh, beautiful bright sort of red with white white stripes and white white markings on the on the face, yeah. really really distinctive. I, I saw one the first time, twenty years ago in Taronga Zoo in mm. Sydney, yeah. and it always stuck with me. Um, and I, I remember a couple of years ago there was a story that Atari Zoo is getting pandas, and I was like, okay, this is quite exciting. Yeah. And I saw red pandas, and I was like. <laughs> hang on a minute, that's not quite the same thing. <laughs> and then shortly afterwards, the story came out, now Atarizu is getting giant pandas. Yes. <laughs> and that was and that was then sort of, okay, this is going to another another level. Mm. Um, so the, 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 the collection of, of wild animals here is going to expand in the Asian yeah, area. Yeah, I think that is the area that we are going to spend most of our time and energy to develop yeah. in the future years 
as well as having this collection of wild animals, mm-hmm. there's also the, the farm area, uh, the petting zoo. Yeah. Um, what animals do you have in there? Yeah, we have uh, those traditional animals that people have been keeping uh, with them here in Finland for centuries. So we of course have the cows, which are traditional old Finnish breeds. You don't see them actually that often nowadays anymore, but they are very strong, very... Uh, they can live with uh, very difficult uh, environments and they are used to Finnish winter and Finnish weather. And uh, Are they dairy cows or are they... They, they are dairy cows, yeah. yes, but nowadays people don't uh, use them as much because they don't product uh, as much milk okay. as uh, commonly used breeds. But I still think they are better <laughs> because they are so so strong and they have a, a really nice uh, character. Okay. Yeah. I, I actually I saw some of them feeding, and that that's a really good description. They they seem really solid. Yeah. Like the neck seemed really round, and they yeah. they, they, they were. Well, they didn't pay any attention to me. They were they were too busy eating and stealing food yeah. from each other, so to worry about me. Um, what else? What else is over there? We, we have also goats. Uh, they're very active, very fun animals. Uh, they are favourites to many of our visitors. And uh, then we have sheep, and uh, we have uh, one one Finnish horse and uh, one uh, Shetland pony. We don't have Shetland is not quite. Finland, but uh, no, no, it's not. No, no it's not quite yeah. Finland, but uh, it's, but it's nice a nice animal have, for a petting zoo. Yeah, exactly, and uh, children can ride with it in okay. the summertime. So, uh, so, and we have, uh, of course, uh, some uh, chicken uh, and uh, rabbits. Uh, we don't have pigs right now, unfortunately, uh, because of this uh, swine fever situation in Europe. Mm. We cannot have them at the moment. And it's quite a separate area from the rest of the zoo. Yeah. Is that is that because there's wild animals and domestic animals? Yeah, there are many many uh, reasons, but we want to keep it uh, so that it looks a little bit like old uh, farm, which used to be in this area, and that's why it's uh, an own uh, department of the zoo, and uh, also it is uh, logistically easier to keep those two things a little bit separated. Yeah, there's this traditional Etelapokiamar um, style house, yeah. wooden log house, painted red, accented in white, and it's so evocative. For me, it's really yeah. evocative of, of this area. Uh, and then a few sort of stables and other, other things around it where the animals live. Yeah, and actually all those uh, buildings uh, have been built uh, in a way they used to do it a long time ago so we try to keep the history alive there and uh, the main building is actually really old and it's been brought here one log by a time and rebuilt moved there. and rebuilt okay yeah. interesting yeah um, and what was also nice there is that um, each animal house mm. has then got its own uh, enclosure behind it yeah which is which is kind of like 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 the others, I guess, going into the woods and, yeah. and maybe a natural kind of habitat that the that the animals can just go and play when yeah. when they when they want to when they're not being petted. <laughs> I guess we actually saw some some children there and they were cleaning out the sheep. Yeah, uh, actually, I think that today is also this kind of team day that take your own kid to your workplace. Yes. 
So it might be that those are the kids uh, of the staff working here. Right, so they're actually... <laughs> they, are, they have they, to work so here they today. Here, take your kids to work and yeah. make them work. Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. Sounds, sounds like a good, good idea. So the petting zoo, it's, it's teaching kids about Finnish animals, about mm. Finnish culture because of the way that it's, the, it's set up. What else would they get from, from visiting that area? Yeah, um, they can also learn a lot about uh, food production. How he, how it has been done uh, during the centuries, and uh, uh, how actually the food comes from uh, the fields onto your plate. Uh, they can, uh, for example, start growing their own potatoes there. Uh, they can try how to milk a cow, uh, not with the real cow, but with the <laughs> fake titties, you know, <laughs> and so on. And I think it's very important because nowadays when more and more kids are living in the cities, they maybe don't really think how all this works. And it's an important thing to realize what's behind your food because it's also environmentally important issue. And it's an issue when you think about animal welfare and uh, how pure your food is and I things like that. I don't think it's just children nope. that, that could do with learning about where does where does food come from and how how does it get to your your place. Yeah. It's very easy now for us just to go to the yeah to the supermarket, pick up the food we want, and it's yeah. there. And and don't think the background. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Can I can I pause you there? <laughs> yeah. Because maybe the listener can hear some noise in the background. That is the noise of Puro, the panda, having a snack on a on a bamboo stalk, and he's making quite quite a noise down there. I just saw him walking around outside, and now he's inside eating yeah. some eating some bamboo quite noisily. Um, it's really it's really thrilling to be sitting here and just there's a panda playing like I don't know ten meters away from yeah, us. Very close. I'm going to go and say hi when we finish talking. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> So from all these different parts of the zoo and different aspects to your to your work, what's the, what's the thing that you enjoy the most? What gives you the most the most satisfaction in your work as a zoological director at Astori Zoo? Yeah, well, uh, actually, I, I think that still the veterinary side of this job is one of the most rewarding to me. Uh, Maybe because uh, when you treat an animal uh, or you make uh, plans how to prevent diseases or so on, you can immediately see the effect. You can immediately see that you have helped the animal or, or the zoo is working better than before. Uh, many other things are also extremely interesting and uh, very rewarding, but you have to wait for the results a longer time. And I'm not the most... Uh, patient person so maybe that that's why the veterinary practice is still very important for me and do they keep you busy these these animals uh, well actually i have to say that not that much okay yeah not that much they're pretty healthy yeah they're <laughs> well is, looked after in the first place i <laughs> yeah. guess that's the, yeah that's the yeah but the, when we have to do something it's uh, it always gives me like a feeling that i have been able to do something very concrete so all these animals that you've got here at the zoo, do they recognize you when you come to their, their enclosure? Uh, many of them actually do recognize me. And, do they uh, wave and say hi? <laughs> Unfortunately, many of them uh, don't really like me that much. <laughs> uh, because, of course, I sometimes have to do things that they don't like. For example, once I uh, had to cut some hair uh, from Lumi's uh, forelimb. 
Lumi is one of the uh, one of the two pandas. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, she really didn't like it. She doesn't mind blood, blood sampling, uh, but the hair cutting was not nice because the machine makes a little bit noise, and uh, she was a little bit upset. Okay, and, and, and she's a girl, so she doesn't want some of her hair to be cut away. Yeah. I wouldn't like that either. I'm sure you would. Yeah, yeah, I, I can understand her very well, but we are friends again now. Okay, yeah. until next time. Yeah, you too. Um, and I guess that, that you're often having to go and give injections or yeah. or some kind of treatment when when they when they hurt maybe yeah uh, yeah for example once i had to give some sedatives to our uh, male european bison so huge animal weighs about 800 kilos and i used a pole syringe so long stick which has a syringe in one end and i poked the animal with that it went okay but after that now I'm not able to go even near to that animal. Uh, he goes away immediately when he hears my voice. He's, he hears your voice. He doesn't yeah. even have to yeah. see you coming. No, he just recognizes no. your voice. Yeah. He goes away straight away. But you, you're trying. You're only trying to help. Yeah, but they don't always understand it. No, that's that's true. Have you had to do anything uh, major in in your time at Atari? Uh Not really. Usually those are quite uh, simple things, and usually the most difficult things are. Uh, not like medical issues, but things when we have to think that can we, we maybe put these animals to same enclosure or not, and how it's going to work, or so on. Or when we transport animals, for example, in this uh, forest reindeer project, we transport the animals to those areas where they will live in the nature. Those days are always very interesting because uh, we can travel with the animals and you can see when they go to the forest and you really feel that actually now I might have done something that might have an impact yeah, in the future. Also. Almost like your children moving out of home. Yeah, pretty much, but uh, I think it's even more happy yeah. <laughs> to see the forest reindeers going there. Actually, uh, this autumn at my birthday was the first time when I went with the reindeers okay. there and uh, I think it was the best birthday gift I could have had seeing them going to the forest and think that maybe they will start a new family here and be there even thousands of years with everything else. Okay. That's fantastic. Heini, Nini Maki, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. So nice to talk with you. A big thank you to Heini Nini Maki for sharing her stories with me. Hello and welcome to the Atari Zoo podcast. My name is Mark Wiltshire, and each episode I will be taking you behind the scenes at Atari Zoo and Snow Panda Resort in Finland. You can find out more at atarizu.fi. These episodes were recorded on location at Atari Zoo, so you will hear a variety of background noises as we visit different animals around the zoo and talk to members of the team at Atari Zoo and Snow Panda Resort. So let's head over to my conversation with this week's guest. <laughs> 